Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and our favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Go to SeatGeek.com slash BS to start using SeatGeek. We're taping this on a Monday. You can even do it tonight if you want Celtics Clippers tickets in LA. Come on, Boston fans. Come out. Don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app and our promo code BS. SeatGeek sends you $20 upon your first purchase. Today's episode also brought to you by our old friends, Simply Safe. There is no better way to protect your home. Simply Safe has no long-term contracts and the best 24/7 protection possible for just $14.99 a month. $14.99 times 12. That's less than $200 a year. Visit simplysafebill.com to get my 10% off discount. simplysafebill.com. Finally, today's podcast brought to you by my new website, The Ringer. Subscribe to our newsletter at theringer.com. Don't forget to subscribe to The Ringer's Channel 33 podcast, as well as our new golf podcast, Shack House, presented by Callaway. One of the stars of Shack House, Joe House, is going to be on the line right after this. Yeah. Clear enough for you. All right. <laughs> yeah. Is it clear enough for you that Joe House's golf podcast... Made it to number one on the iTunes rankings. What up, Joe House? I, I, I can barely hear you over the music, but I, I enjoy I enjoy rolling. Um, we were on a nice roll last week with that golf podcast. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm sorry. Tate, Tate's in a frenzy because UNC made the final four. He just blasted the music. Come on, Tate. Act, act like you've been there before, Tate. Tate's like out of his mind. He's He's... Between uh, my Barb jokes at the meeting today about UNC versus Syracuse being the all scandal, who's going to vacate the f- the final two spot showdown? He's he's a mess, and he's out of his mind. With yeah, Bryce, I mean, Bryce that, Johnson fever. We should have a tutor, uh, a tutor off. We should. I had a suggestion on Twitter. I thought at halftime of the Saturday game, the UNC teachers from the African American Studies class should tutor Fab Mello. Just combine the two worlds. That could be the halftime show as Jim Nance gushes and and acts like super creepy about it. I thought that'd be great. So you have my endorsement. I figured. So and anything to get Nance to gush. So you went to uh, you went to Jamaica, and as you went to Jamaica, uh, Shack House, which our new podcast, which talks about golf and the uh, PGA Tour, uh, made it all the way to number one, and. Uh, I was very excited for you. It was nice to see your name on top of there. And now we have the Masters coming, which is exciting. Yeah. Are you guys really talking exciting. Masters this week or next week? We're, we've been talking about it. Uh, well, we talked about it a little bit last week. I was going to say we've been talking about it for a month, but um, the world doesn't know that Jeff and I did a couple pilots before we went live. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we talked about the odds last week, and the odds I'm sure have um, – slightly moved around a bit since the match play. Um, so we're definitely going to talk odds. I think so, we're doing a little Q&A, and some of the questions that have come in by way of Twitter um, have been asking about Masters food. So we'll do a Masters little Masters food. preview. That's like your all-time yeah. wheelhouse. It really, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Hey. Uh, and I've been, so I, I, I have a certain strategy that I, that I may or may not share. So Mickelson is 15-1. to 1. I might just step in on that. It doesn't feel like enough. I would like him at like 25 to 1. What do you mean it's not enough? 15 isn't enough of a reward for the risk. Why is it a risk? He's Phil Mickelson. He's in shape. No, well, not really, but he's Phil Mickelson. It is an, it's an even year, and he's won all his Masters in even years. I'm I trying. I'm, I'm going through... Sure I'm going through all the odds right now, trying to find our friend Nathan's brother, Mark Hubbard. I don't see I don't, him on here. I don't know that Mark's qualified for the Masters. Oh, well, that's probably why there are no odds for him. All right, let's talk basketball. <laughs> um, even though you were away, you were watching a lot of college hoops. We, we had a whole riff either a week ago or two weeks ago about how much we love Buddy. I, we're not alone. It's not an original opinion. And how Buddy will whip his testicles out and and show them to a, a live national TV audience as he makes big shots and does the Cassell dance. Although he doesn't do the dance, he does it telepathically. 
Uh, and then Buddy really whipped them out since the last time I talked to you. I mean, they were they were out. Yeah, that was a week ago. Yeah, and we were doing a lot of Buddy uh, celebration. We were talked about you know Buddy all Buddy 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 all up in your face. We had it all out there, and you know what? He he validated all of that. You know, it made me think college basketball has been ruined by the one and done to some degree, and every once in a while somebody stays three years and then they're awesome in college hoops and it's really fun to watch and it makes me think like god just wish i i know it's impossible and i don't begrudge any of these guys for coming out early um but at the same time it's really fun when somebody who's got a little experience and is a little bit weathered can uh can just do it on a big stage to a point that you like i really thought they were gonna win saturday like because of him i was like he's gonna come up big and he's gonna win the game for them you don't get to feel that way about college basketball players that often you know yeah, there aren't guys that you can identify. The thing that I like um, on that particular theme, there are two seniors that have effectively played themselves into the lottery. So Buddy was probably already a borderline lottery pick, but Chad has him as possibly sliding into the top five now. And uh, Bryce Johnson from North Carolina has also had a great tournament and um, looks like he's potentially sliding into the top 15. Two seniors, both of whom... Buddy's already 22. He'll be 22 for the until December, and Bryce Johnson turns 22 in June. It takes on this sort of prevailing sentiment um, with uh, you know older players being in in disfavor because you're missing out on some of their early cheap contract years. We're going to test that a little bit a little bit this draft, right? I think so, and. You and I both like Bryce Johnson too, and we even went to Tate. We asked him a couple weeks ago, "Why, why isn't Bryce Johnson more respected?" And he's like, "Well, he's older." And Tate insinuated there might have been some maturity issues. Tate's nodding, uh, but yeah, it's it, Tate, Bryce Johnson's good. Why, why wouldn't he be able to help an NBA team? Some of this stuff, it it just seems like they go nuts with the potential, potential, potential of these draft picks, especially in January, February. And at some point, you know, it helps is when you actually see them play really well in big games with big crowds. That's usually a good indicator yeah. of whether you might be good in the NBA. And, you know, Jalen Brown, who I think is really talented swingman, certainly the type of guy uh, any team's looking for in the small ball era, but he sucked in the Pac-12 tournament and he sucked in the actual tournament. And I don't want to overreact to it, but that tells me it would be nice if he stayed in school for another year and maybe figured some stuff out, right? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I'm not going to kill um, Jamal Murray, who's only 19 years old. Yeah. Um, and and he, he's got the game to come out and play right now, but it's all potential. I don't, I don't, he didn't blow me away with any single performance this season. Well, the best thing he's got going for him is what Devin Booker's been doing on the Suns. So the Celtics played him the other day, and uh, I, I've seen him a couple times in not Celtic games, but it really got to watch him in the Suns game. And uh the guy's great. He's the thirteenth pick in the draft. The guy the guy's gonna be like a multi time all star. He's exactly who you want in the modern NBA for a perimeter guard who can create stuff and do things and create his own shot, shoot threes, create shots for other guys, attack the rim. And I wonder if that's gonna affect Jamal Murray's draft stock at all. Where I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but it's it's you know some of the same DNA, right? Yeah, some of the same DNA. And, and look, I'm, I'm not meaning to impugn or slight or diminish Jamal's achievement this season. Yeah, he's 19. I he's 19. That's right. But which in this in this era is a is a desirable thing. He's three years younger than Buddy. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart's getting murdered back in Boston because he's he's just falling apart uh, from an outside shooting standpoint. Still, does a lot of good things during games, and I, I looked I looked up how old he was, and he's three months younger than Buddy. So, yeah. that's why you have to you have to put all this stuff in perspective, one way or the other, right? Like, if Marcus Smart was a junior in college, I guarantee he'd be really good in these games, you know. And at the same time, like we've seen guys who stayed four years and maybe that made us overrate them a little bit, three to four years. I think Morrison was a good example of that at Gonzaga 
where yes. sometimes sometimes you're just a really good mature college player and that doesn't translate to anything. I think I feel even stronger than how we felt last week about Buddy where you have um he just has things that work in the NBA. And the, and you know it when you see it, you know. It's not just the three well, the, point the, shot, the, it's the mid range game. The guts and the the fortitude right are are, are a very good starting point. He's been up for every big game. He was Awesome in the Kansas triple overtime. You know he's been uh, he's he's been great. He was great in the LSU game. Yeah. He he uh, even in the tournament when they got bounced the uh, SEC the SEC or Big Twelve whatever when they're in, they're in Big Twelve. Um, he he made a half court shot to win the game and then it didn't count by a split second. But he was pretty great. By a I'll tell you, yeah. my dad and I had a long conversation about this on on Friday. Both of us really like Brandon Ingram. I think uh, he. I probably changed my opinion on him more during this season over everyone else that I've been watching out of all the lottery picks. He just makes sense to me as an NBA player. Like, unequivocal, perfect stretch for. He can rebound. He gives a shit. Like, they had him at the front. They were losing that Thursday game. Like, his team wasn't very good. Um, but they had him at the front of the press. And... He was really hustling, you know, and then on the other end, yeah. he's got to create offense for them. And I kept waiting to see him like jog back or, you know, take some sort of shortcut or not care. And I thought he played hard the whole game without exception, which I which was what I was looking for from him. And the other thing that jumped out with him, it's a really quick release on the threes, just just gets it off, you know, and that. That's just that's that's going to be something that when he's an NBA player and he's making forty percent and he can get that off quickly with guys running at him, and then on top of that, go down low and and I don't know I I just really like him and it really made me wonder, like if the Celtics somehow got number one I I don't I don't know who I'd want I I think Ingram actually translates to where the NBA is going more than Ben Simmons does What do you think? I disagree strongly okay, good. with that and good. I. I I also think that Ben Simmons is a much more mature um, physical specimen than, than Ingram. Was well, a year and a um, half older. I, yeah, so that <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. But I also Ingram will never have a body like like Ben Simmons, and we 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 know we have lots of um, experience with guys who were effective in college but can't can't play a full eighty two game season, can't play seventy five games in the NBA. Mm. You know, Kyrie Irving, uh, Bradley Beal. You know, a couple guys who have never played. A complete season in the NBA, yeah. And Ingram is six ten, one ninety six, which you know, and and awesome wingspan, and all of the things you just described in the way of offensive talent. Who, who is he going to guard? Who's he supposed to be guarding? We could go back ten like a years. Tayshaun Prince kind of a defender. We can go back ten years, and we would have had the exact same conversation about Kevin Durant, and we might have because I think I had my podcast in two thousand seven that summer. Um, same same thing. Durant was six nine and one hundred and eighty pounds and couldn't couldn't uh, do any weights. I don't think I don't think Ingram's the same kind of scorer, but I, he makes sense to me where the league's going. My thing with Simmons, first of all, terrible that he didn't make the tournament. It's just really bad, especially when you watch some of these teams. You know, it's like wow, uh, how do you not make it? But not being able to shoot. Every NBA game I watch, they can't hide the guy who can't shoot. You know? So unless unless he can go into these workouts and just make twenty five or thirty threes in front of some of these people, I think that's I think people are gonna get worried. I think it's up in the air. And and the more I talk to people I know in the league and little birdies and things like that, I, I think it's a toss up. I don't I don't think people know who's going first, which is crazy because Ben Simmons had it locked three months ago. I'm prepared to accept all of the criticism that I'm uh, may get and may deserve for this, but I'm not sure that we know for sure that Ben Simmons can't shoot. We know that he can't be successful in that garbage offense that Garbage LSU put him in, yeah, and had him, you know, took away his his confidence early on in the in the in the season when you and I were very enthused about trying to catch all of the LSU games and seeing Simmons and make sure we got all the Simmons we could, we could catch, you know, cause we, we had that such a great time riding Kevin Durant that year at Texas. Um, ben Simmons was willing to try a lot more face up stuff early in the season. You're right. 
than he was as the season went on. And I'm not so sure that the lack of success, we, you know, it's a classic small sample size kind of deal. Um, and that team had such a, a, a poor um, concept and, and such a poor structure in terms of being uh, efficient offensively. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not really prepared to say that, that Ben Simmons can't be an effective um, face-the-basket shooter. It's all going to end up on me picking him, picking tiny holes into him, and then him going to the Lakers and being awesome. And then I'm going to have to move. I'm going to move. If there's a Simmons on the Lakers and the guy's awesome, I'm out. That's done. And by the way, what are you going to do? There's a really good chance that could happen. If, there's if, a really good chance. His, it's going to be Ben Simmons. You're telling me your son's not going to be wearing that jersey? My, so what are you going to do? If the top two goes chalk and and the Sixers decide they like Ingram more than Simmons with the team they have, that is how it's going to play out. I don't know what i do. I don't know what i do at, that, at this point. <laughs> You better start confronting that reality, my friend. Well, I have a couple of advantages. One is um, my son only weighs 70 pounds, and I can just beat the shit out of him until he doesn't like the Lakers. Yes. I and mean, that's possible. Yes. He, yeah, nobody knows, prerogative. Nobody knows what goes on in closed doors of the house as long as there's no bruises. So I, I could just beat him <laughs> up and torture him. No, I'm kidding. I would never hit my son unless he hit me first. No, I'm ki- I'm kidding about that too. No, my son actually beats the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I've already. Hit I have my his son, crash test but I mean, dummy, not, but but not intentionally. Yeah, it's the the little known fact about having kids is is that when they when they come at you and they they hit a point when they're set. Is your son seven yet? No, he's he's five and a half, but it's enough to to bust me in the balls or give me a black yeah, yeah, eye. Yeah. I have to defend myself. Oh, it gets much worse when they hit seven. Now they think they can win the fight, and that's when they come at like, oh, "Hey, no. let's wrestle." And then it's like, "Wait a second, we're, you're actually fighting me. What do I do?" Yeah, but um, my point is, awesome. If he decides to be a Laker fan, there's going to be a lot of repercussions in my house because I do pay for everything. It you would know? only be for for the Simmons. Could he be a, a Simmons fan? No. What are you talking about? He's no. Not to be a Simmons fan. Not if he's on the Lakers. <laughs> you crazy? All right. You let him be a Kings fan. Your boy, your, your boy gives two it's shits Kings. about the Boston Bruins. He well, could care less true. about the Boston Bruins. Ah, he's born in L.A. What do you want from me? Well, Ben Simmons is about to be a. You know, there's a there's a at least fifty percent chance he's going to be a Laker. I hate this conversation. Um, <laughs> Wait, I want to talk. I want to talk hockey for a second, but but first, sure. but first, um, you know, building a website can be daunting. House, as as we found out I've with housefromdc.com, which you haven't updated in three months. Could you update that thing for God's sakes? Jesus. I would like to. I could what put a doing? link to, to Shack House on there. Yeah, I could you... put my um, my favorite Masters Foods on there. Creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair, obviously for you. Whether it's a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, whatever else, this day and age, you might need your new website. I think you need a website. You're on two podcasts. Uh, thank God for our buddies at Squarespace. They build gorgeous websites for normal people who don't know how to build websites. I'm not sure you're a normal person, so maybe that's why this hasn't worked out well enough. You built this website, and I'm not satisfied with it yet. I think you could do better. It's a great website. I just need to get in there and do something with it. You know, I have a real-time job, by the way, a real full-time job. I know. Can't you get your wife get your wife work on the website? <laughs> this is a great idea. Well, actually, no, because okay. I have some pictures up there that between uh, the food and the and the and the um, the the red skinettes, I'm not sure. Well, now that you're the star of the Smash Shake Golf, pa- Golf Podcast Shack House, I think you need a better website. Squarespace makes it easy regardless of skill level. No coding needed. Easy to use t- tools. State-of-the-art technology. 24-7 online support. A beautiful website for only $8 a month, and you even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. Why wait? Start your trial with with no credit card at all. Squarespace.com. Use the offer code BS for 10% off your first purchase. And speaking of, of, uh, of sponsors that love Joe House, Athletes Collective sent you a bunch of a, a bunch of swag, right? You got that they swag? They sure did. That, that was, they sent me an awesome bag of stuff, and uh, not, not the least of which included some fantastic vintage 
trading cards, hearkening back to my days, uh, the, the, there was a they, they they overdid the Washington Bullets collections in the in the basketball trading Ooh. cards. The one thing I will say, I loved Hetley's collective stuff. Uh, in fact, you recall I um, had this shoulder injury. I went in a couple different times and got what I like to call the Kobe treatment, hmm. which involves uh, PDs? You know, a shot and oh. some blood and some some centrifuge. What yeah. <laughs> what else? What, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say PDs. I'm just kidding. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I thought you were going to suggest Jokes that like I went in there for the Trinity, but that, that's a whole different <laughs> <No>. story. <laughs> Um, but but the point is, with Athletes Collective, I wore that shirt in there for the pr- for the procedure because you can't take a shower before or after, and you kind of just have to um, hang loose. Yeah. And that shirt was awesome. It was a it was the perfect shirt for for what I went through. It's an it's a it's a it's kind of a workout shirt, you know. It's the kind no, of thing. No logos. You would wear it to the gym. No. Yeah, but that's the point, right? We're yeah. too old. I can't be walking in there, you know, Johnny Nike. Right. I'm not that dude anymore. That's why I like no athlete Coll- athletes collective. Uh, no logos. Thirty to forty percent less expensive. If you go to athletescollective.com right now. Uh, Enter promo code BS. You'll receive 15% off your first order. All orders include free shipping and returns to the U.S. or Canada. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Athletescollective.com. Uh, t-shirts, not just for everybody, but especially for white guys in their in their 40s who can't wear stuff with logos on them anymore, like me and House. Uh, all right. So we we you, we talked about hockey before that segue. So I went to see Connor McDavid again. On Saturday night, oh. I brought my daughter and her friend Inez, who's very sweet. Um, so second time seeing McDavid. First of all, he's might be the fastest skater I've ever seen in person. He didn't totally unleash the wheels in this game, but he did in the first game. And it was actually like he yeah. was going so fast that I got frightened. I thought like he wasn't going to be able to stop and he was just going to go through the boards. But... Um, <laughs> His team's terrible. I mean, they're always terrible because they just pick forwards and they don't pick, you know, they don't care about stuff like defense and goal goaltending. Yeah. But they're up five two after two periods. And oh my. The 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 Kings. Kings are really Kings, good. Yeah. The Kings will be a final four yeah, they team. Are. Mark my words. I know. Um, I'm worried about the Kings. So, so Zoe and her friend and I'm like, should we go? Wait, what do you want to do? We'll just wait out the first. Because I, I, I really want to get a couple more McDavid things. The Oilers come back. And there's like oh. the last 10 minutes of the game, he took over the game. And they were all pretty much like like he was – it just seemed like he was out there all the time. They, in the last three minutes, they double shifted him. Um, they pulled the goalie with like three minutes left. But he had a Gretzky pass to cut it to one – to cut it to 5-4. Came, he was coming around from behind the net. Toward uh, like if you're staring at the goalie net, it was he came around the left side of the net, backhand, and just without without even really looking, flicked this pass all the way across to some guy who was at the far goalpost who just tipped it in, and it was like oh, oh. my god, it was like one of those passes, and uh, yeah, what kind of sound did you get from the crowd? Um, oh shit. Was kind of it was one of those sounds. <laughs> that he also scored. Like, Vincent Lecavier, who who came back, who's our age, but had a really nice run with the Kings, and then um, and then for hasn't been playing as well lately. For some reason, decided to stick handle the puck in front of his own net. McDavid, this was earlier in the game. McDavid comes in and poke checks it as a shot and scored. I've never I'm seen go that look one at the before. For this game, he poke checked. He poke checked at goal because the caveat was stupidly just skating around thing. But he was, and then he almost had a couple more, and he was just kind of. Uh, he's just really good, and it's really it, the one thing I've learned about hockey going five years. It's really hard for players to stand out because they're all wearing helmets. You can't. You can't really tell. You can tell by the numbers and. Guys are fast. Like Ovechkin shot, you notice. Like you'll notice somebody like Dowdy. Um, guys who can hold the puck like Kopitar where they go around the net and they're holding the puck and holding guys off and keeping it. Those guys stand out. Lucic, those power forwards, they stand out. But it's really rare for somebody to just stand out in a hockey game just for being fucking great. And yeah. uh, 
And this guy's really has a chance. Like, and I know he's been anointed as the next one, but um, having seen him now for two games, I uh, I'm all in. I'm, I'm all one million percent in. I was I'm just so impressed by him. Anyway, well, he needs a team around him. I'm going to yeah. spend ten minutes and look looking up the Edmonton Oilers and see how they can get better. Well, they have they a have couple other dudes better. like Taylor Hall's. You know, he was a number one pick or number two. I forget if he was one or two, but he's really good. Everly's good. Like they have, you know, they have some weapons. They just need defense. But uh, you know what else? I like McDavid. Kind of got into it in a scrum at one point. Like one of the Kings got mad at him. He stood up for himself. So he's not like a wuss like Gretzky. How's he look on the ice? He 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 doesn't look that big to me. Is he big enough? He's tall. He's just he's a baby. He's like four years younger yeah. than Tate. He's like oh he's like gosh. he's like Ben Simmons's age. But yeah. uh yeah, no, you know what else is cool? I love those uniforms. They, it's they nice to have those uniforms back, like with a relevant guy. But, yes. Um, yes. So yes, yes, yes. Your team where where are you standing on hockey these days? We're in the exact the most predictable moment of the season possible. The last 10, 12, 15 games, it's really hard to keep up, you know, the, that, that sort of uh, momentum they had through the course of the season. The, the, the end is in sight. They're one point away from the President's Cup, you know, top points in the whole NHL. And they got, you know, I watched uh, quite a bit of Friday night. They played St. Louis. St. Louis beat the crap, oh, Saturday night, beat the crap out of them, four to nothing. Hmm. And it was an even first period and, um, you know, uh, a, a sort of even third period. But St. Louis scored you know, three goals in the, in the second. And that was, well, that you're was definitely the game. winning. And there's just an intensity problem. You're definitely getting the one seed though. You're way ahead of everybody. You have 111 points. Oh yeah, no, points. for sure. You, you, we're already there. The, the thing that I'm concerned about is regaining that intensity. The momentum. How do yeah. you get back that momentum? And, and these are all intangibles and, you know, some people argue made up things, but you need, you know, hockey it feeds on itself. We, we've known this from, from being hockey fans for 35 years. Um, yeah, the a, regular season collective... doesn't matter. Huh? The regular season doesn't matter. You just have to get hot for that, that's 10 That's right, weeks. but it, it matters for the, for the purpose of, um, especially for this Washington team, sometimes building an identity. So this team came up with an identity during the course of the regular season. Um, and they played really hard and great defense for the first time in Washington. It feels like 15 years um, and a hot goaltender. And you want all of that in place for the postseason and you're, you're, you're kind of in this mode where you're just sort of winning every other game, how do you get that back? That's the thing that concerns me. Well, the good news is the uh, the franchise history suggests that there's just no way this wall collapsed in round one or round two, so you'll be fine God there. damn you. That's your get you'll back for the there. Ben Simmons to the Lakers. I know that it is. That was terrible. You never should have said that. <laughs> the, there's some, there's some uh, Kings-Blackhawks round one potential. And... Uh, is that right? The Blackhawks are just sort of tr- trundling yeah, along here? If Anaheim caught, or not round one, uh, I forget. I they, They've changed. I, I don't even remember how the playoffs is. There, there's a possibility they could meet before the conference finals, I guess is my point. Okay. Um, And I got to say, like, and these words won't come back to haunt me because um, my kids are Kings fans, but ultimately I'm agnostic. I would love to see the Blackhawks early. I think the Black, I think it's too hard to win two straight cups. I th- I I just wow. think it's too many games. Bring on the Blackhawks. Wow. Yeah. Bring them on. Bring on the Blackhawks. Bring Hawks. on that depleted beaten up Blackhawks team. I think the Kings would kill them. That's my hot take. I, I, yeah. I, it's, it's Here's good, the team I'm afraid you. of. Here's who I'm afraid of. Uh just as somebody that wants to go to Stanley Cup games for the Kings, thinking it that way. And and who wants who wants my I want my kids to be happy obviously. Anaheim's Got a lot of dudes. They have four assholes in their team, just four flat-out assholes, including Perry, who's one of the worst human beings in America and really should, should be deported. I don't even know why we allow Is he from here? Joe, is Corey Perry from here? Ryan Perry? Perry? Is Corey Perry or Ryan Perry? <laughs> Either, whatever his first name is, I hate Perry. Uh yeah, he's Canadian. We should pull his cards. Corey, should, Corey Perry. Who's Ryan Perry? <laughs> I don't know. Corey Perry. I knew it was Corey Wasn't Perry. Wasn't he on 90210? I just know him as Fuck You Perry because that's who, what I yell at him when he skates <laughs> by my seats. Uh, 
I think all of those guys are going to try to get in a Lucha's head from the get-go. And you can get in a Lucha's head. You can get him to do dumb things and, de- and take dumb penalties. Oh, yeah, Ryan Perry's the pitcher. Yeah. For the nat- for Joe House's Nationals. Yeah. Um, I just think the Ducks have a lot of guys who will be doing stuff and will be up to stuff in playoff games. And, that, and if I had to pick a final... I think I would pick the Ducks over the Kings. I hate to say it. Wow. What do you think of that? This isn't a reverse that, jinx at all. You mean the Western Conference Final? Yeah, Western Finals. Okay. Yeah. And and Chicago's out. Yeah, that, I it's back to back's too hard. It's not it's not doable. You're playing uh, over a hundred games each year. These guys, there's only so many painkillers and amphetamines you can take. You can't get through that. It's impossible. Yeah, they have Getzlaff. Perry and Kessler, who I kind of secretly like Kessler, Kessler, but when he's on the other yeah. team, you don't like him as much. And then they have Bieksa, who's one of the all-time a-holes. <laughs> you, you familiar with Bieksa's work? No, I mean, these are all he's, West Coast teams. I don't get to see hardly Bieksa any of it. this Canucks defenseman who uh, was super annoying when the Bruins played them in the finals and has had some annoying moments with uh, them as well. But, yeah, they have four agitators. And Perry's the worst. Perry's like, ugh. Anyway. Um, well, you have to go. Anything NBA we want to talk to really quick? Um, the um, We should Warriors talk Warriors for wins. four minutes, yeah. Yeah. Um, this feels like it's going to happen now. I just can't believe it. I'm in shock. It's just disbelief. I kept waiting for them to have a tailspin, and, it, and now all of a sudden they need to go 7-2 and two in the last night, and they're going to break the record. I never thought anyone was going to touch that record. Well, we we picked a couple games and we had this conversation like three weeks ago to a month ago, and they've been up to it. They they um, pulled out the extraordinary win against Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City. Um, they lost. They predictably lost that game to the Spurs, but they've been up to it. This, the Lakers' um, loss kind of makes up for that. Um, pull the butt out of their pull that W out of their butt win against the the, the Thunder. But they haven't even really been tested. I mean, I guess at Miami was was mildly interesting for a little while. Um, the Clippers have not been up to it. They and, won two games you know, that they never should have won. The the Nets game when Lopez missed like the two foot alley oop that should have been a loss. And that was at the begin early in the season. Yeah, it was super early. And then the OKC game. OKC just, I mean, that was just a reprehensible collapse by OKC. It was very, the two very lucky wins, but you need luck, you know? And I don't remember them losing a game that they should have won, the Warriors. Maybe it happened. I just don't remember anything as glaring. So they play your Wizards tomorrow night. Sorry about the Wizards season. I mean, who could have seen uh, Randy Whitman uh, falling on his face like this? I Nobody. Well, I, uh, I'm never going to defend Randy Whitman, but... Uh, Really, it, it it comes down to Beal. Okay, they're the they're good when when Beal plays, and they're not good when he doesn't play, and it's that simple. For with the with the current roster and the way they're configured and the game plan they had coming into the season, and they haven't had them, but for you know half the games, I don't even know if they've had them for half the games. Well, it's always good to uh, revolve your whole season around a fragile guy in his early twenties. <laughs> so Washington, John Wall will go. John Wall will go at him. But oh, I yeah, think they win. For sure. At Utah the next night. That's a sneaky game. At Utah, Utah playing it's to get in the playoffs. That's sneaky. What do you think, Tate? You worried about that? It'll one? be interesting. And I like that it's a back to backer. I like said, that. No way. Chance. Not worried at all. Really not worried? Utah yeah. altitude back to back? Altitude. I'm always worried about altitude. Some length in the front court. I think that's a sneaky one. Uh home for Boston Friday night. If we had Crowder, I would say we could go at it, but we don't have Crowder. A different team without Crowder. Uh, home for Portland. Home for Minnesota. Home for San Antonio. At that Memphis. That one's really interesting. At Memphis. At San Antonio the following night. And then home for Memphis uh, last game of the season. Feels like two more losses in there, but I don't, I don't see three. That's exactly the way I feel, too. I feel like they, they could lose... Maybe one of those San Antonio games and maybe one of those Memphis games. 
Can I just tell you why I want them to get to 74 and 8? Why do you think I want them to get to 74 and 8? And 70, then I'll let you 74 go. 74 and 8. Because why? Does that give them a chance of winning 100 games this season? Um, no, 90. So oh, the yeah, record 90, is uh, right. 87. The Bulls won 87. Oh. They had 72 regular oh. season. Then they went, I think, 15 and 3 in the playoffs. And they finished 87 and 13. The Warriors... If the let's say the Warriors went sixteen and two in the playoffs, which I don't think is conceivable, let's just say they did, that would make them ninety and ten regular season playoffs. They would have won ninety of a hundred games. I don't see anyone, anyone ever doing that to lose ten times that's, in the entire season. So that's at stake. That's in play. Oof. Yeah, Utah. Watch out for that Utah game. Utah's sneaky. Um, all right. All right, House. Shaq House uh, is going to be on Wednesday. You and Jeff Shackelford, yeah. uh, you can subscribe to that that uh, feed on iTunes. Some on great questions SoundCloud. today. Jeff uh, put out on his um, Twitter feed uh, a solicitation for input for our speed round. We're going to do a little speed round tomorrow. Great. And um, there's been some great questions, so keep the questions coming. All right, I'm going to bring. I, it's too bad you have to go. I'm going to bring Chris Ryan on right now to talk about James Eha rejoining the Smashing Pumpkins, which is the biggest story of 2016 so far. Well, tell tell Chris uh, I watched two hours worth of Smashing Pumpkins YouTube yesterday based on that Eha reappearance, that that shocking reappearance, and it was a great two hours. The what? perfect way to recover from Jamaica. I don't even know what the sports equivalent is. I, I, those guys hate each other. Well, Chris and I'll talk about it. You're left out because you have to, you have to actually work. Joe House, thank I'll, you as I'll always. I'll listen in and I'll enjoy it. Thanks, okay. thanks See as you always. Later. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. We're going to bring Chris on in a second, but with college basketball in full swing, you might be like some of the guys in our office, including Tate, the producer. Cord cutters. Tate, you're a cord cutter. Uh, when you're a cord cutter, you have to figure out which one of your friends will invite you over to watch games. Um, how much money you need to go to a sports bar and milk like two drinks for two and a half hours or uh, or look for a shady live stream that could shut down your computer. Those are your three options when you're a cord cutter. There's a better, cheaper option now. Sling TV, the best way to watch the games live for just $20 a month to get more than 20 live channels, including AMC, Adult Swim, and the four-letter network that I used to work for. And most importantly for this weekend, you get all the Turner channels, including um, where's that? The Final Four is on TNT or T- TBS. Yeah, you get that on Sling TV. You can watch the Final Four on TBS on Sling. You can also add on channel packs like the Sports Extra package for just five dollars a month extra. No installation, no extra gear, no annual contracts, no BS. All you need is an internet connection. Start your seven-day free trial at Sling.com/Simmons. For the best of live TV on your tablet, phone, laptop, Roku, Fire TV, or Xbox. Restrictions apply. Tate, did they send you a sling? Oh, they should send you a sling. Come on, sling. Sling.com slash Simmons. You can see, they can send you one. You can start your seven-day free trial. <laughs> uh, check it out, though. Sling TV, good product. And now, Chris Ryan. All right, not only here with Chris Ryan, but with uh, Andy Greenwald, his partner on The Watch, which you can subscribe to on Channel 33. We're breaking that out eventually, though. couple things. Let's talk a couple pop culture things. One, uh, dramatic, important, revolutionary Smashing Pumpkins reunion that was, for some reason, at the Ace Hotel in L.A. Do they, how big is the stage in the Ace Hotel it's in like, L.A.? It's like 1,500 people, 2,000 people in that, in that theater. I think that's perfect. That's a perfect statement on where we are with the 90s, that it would happen at a boutique <laughs> hotel with no advance yeah. warning. On a, was it a Saturday or Sunday? It's, it's right across the street from the Staples. I was down there. I had no idea the Smashing Pumpkins were back. Well, it's first time Corgan, Eha, and Chamberlain on the same stage in 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, But he's been recording as Pumpkins with like various other people. For but Darcy's been on like a milk cart. I don't know what's up with Darcy. Darcy bought a horse farm, I believe. Like, I feel like that sounds like a very sketchy metaphor, but I think in this case it's true. I think she's gone off the grid and is farming. You, the Smashing Pumpkins are funny because, for one thing, they were like neck and neck with Nirvana for a little bit there, and mm-hmm. then Corgan became so annoying that everybody just wrote, just now nobody wants. He to became admit such it. a wrestling villain. He's yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah. just, nobody's ever done more damage to their own band with more interviews. But 
I, I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to research this James Eha thing. I'm sure there's not a lot on the internet about it. Corgan just gives interviews to anybody. Uh, he might walk in right now. <laughs> he's, he's, there's a million Billy Corgan interviews. In one interview, he's killing James Eha. Yeah. And then the other one, he's not. And he's, a, it's like, it, I think Corgan's insane. on Shack House this week. Is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking masters. He's very available. I feel so, like he is waiting for everyone to realize his genius to the degree that he does and always has. But really, out of anyone in real life who should have done the Eddie and the Cruisers fake my death yeah. to see for more acclaim, he's the number one guy who should have done it. Yeah, once He should he, be in New Jersey right now working in a construction site. For, right, right around the time of Adore, which is what, 98, when he yeah. was getting fitted for leather capes, someone should have just done the intervention and been like, it's better to fake your death. Like yeah. Go to Tupac yeah, Island full, right now and be a JD legend. Full J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Just vanish. Yeah. You guys have seen Eddie and the Cruisers, right? Yeah. Sure. Is that, is that Michael Perret? Michael Perret. Yeah. Is this Behringer? <laughs> yeah. That's like one of my favorite 80s movies, and it's and it's actually still pretty good. It's got a bad ending. Didn't they make a sequel? Like an oh, unasked for sequel, like a decade oh, later? Oh, they made a sequel. <laughs> Keep they cruising. Sure did. What, did we, they bring Eddie back? That was called Eddie and the Cruisers 2, Eddie Lives. You don't get a lot of Behringer these days. How, how has Behringer not gotten an NCIS? They give Gary Sinise two, but Behringer hasn't gotten one yet. Well, He, he was, was in Inception. He was in Inception, and I feel like he brought it in Inception, but didn't a little bit of that feel like it was some sort of like charity intervention project? Like that Nolan was just like, I'm going to invest in this guy. I'm going to bring him back. He's my guy. And then no one else wanted him yeah, to be Yeah, but he guy. didn't get like a Travolta Pulp Fiction bump from Inception is what I'm saying. Berenger had a nice run. Great He's run. the lost 80s star. Oh, yeah. He really is. Platoon? He, he was a leading dude. Major League? He's incredible in Big Chill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great in that. Platoon, yeah. someone to watch over me. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Did the Sidney Poitier one, Shoot to Kill, which I, I like that and one. He, you're right. He's incredible in Major League. But wasn't he also the he principal? Kills. Wasn't there some movie that was like the dark horror version of that. Lean on Me where he brings a baseball bat, but he uses that, it Oh, yeah, the, sub, the substitute. That was the tail end of Behringer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Late period Behringer. He, he also, was being fitted for leather capes. What was it? Looking looking for Mrs. Mr. Mr. Goodbar? He, he that, that, that would have been young Behringer. Spoiler alert. Kills Joe Clayberg at the end. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you just broke the hearts of your dozens of Clayberg fans. Can no you idea. have a spoiler alert for a, a <laughs> movie that came out a million years ago? Wait, we're missing one. But yeah, he was he was neck and neck like William he was like Hurt, in the Kevin Costner, Klein. yeah, yeah Costner, Kevin he was with all those. Yeah. the big chill generation. I think he turned into the guy from Platoon. It's <laughs> you very think he's possible. Like, you think yeah. somebody's? He, he has people it. walking around his apartment going Barnes. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, actually. <laughs> yeah. The substitute was the... Uh, the substitute. The substitute. So we had... Uh, What's we, post-Inception? We left out oh, Butching Sundance, the early days in 1979. Wow. Not great. Born on the 4th of July. I don't remember him in that He's one. in that? It just kind of ended in it, the late 80s for him. Like when Major League, that was it for him. Yeah. But there's a good way for it to sort of end in a bad way. Like when Michael Keaton vanished for 10 years, he seemed happy, right? Every time they did yeah. a feature, he's like, I'm okay. I'm choosing to do this. A lot of Batman right. money. A lot of Batman money. He's into hiking or living wherever he lives. That's how yeah. you do it. You don't want to seem hungry. You don't want to do the substitute. You don't but, want to do Eddie Lives. But back to Corrigan. Yeah. yeah, back to Corrigan. So if he had done the Eddie and the Cruisers thing, it's we're talking. There's documentaries about him. He's, HBO's doing a two-hour documentary about him at the 20th anniversary of Melancholy. He's a legend in that, but he's done more damage to his legacy and his career just by continuing to have a career right. over the last 20 years. And he swore that they would never play together again. I think the last time they played together was 2000. Well, I think, he, and he was also just like, it's my band. So whoever right. is I am playing smashing, with me is the smashing Because he did Zwan, yeah, remember, right. and he did like, did he do a solo record? And then Zwan finally was, he was basically like, a Smashing Pumpkins album. Zwan was, yeah, he yeah. found a, an, another woman to play bass. He found another sort of strange guy with hair over Matt his... Matt Sweeney was playing Matt Zwan? Sweeney was in it. Yeah, Dave Pajo. But uh, what, didn't they break up even more spectacularly than the Smashing Pumpkins? Like they were on Saturday Night Live one week and then they were just... And then they, they were just gone? They were just gone. Uh, my wife and I went to see them a couple years ago at the Universal, you know, in Burbank. Yeah. We left before the show was over. That's how annoying Billy Corgan <laughs> was. It, was he playing mostly new stuff? He was just, he's, he, you know how Eddie Vedder would, he'd kind of in, try to antagonize his fan base and, you know, weed some people out, weed sure. some of the bandwagoners out and with some of the decisions they made. Billy Corgan, like, is just trying to antagonize everyone who's ever liked that band. I mean, that's part of his move. McConaughey's doing these long, terrible guitar solos and, and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go get a drink. There's something funny about like the choosing to keep 
because you know you're saying re- reunite L- lcd sound system got back together this weekend after being broken up for like all of three years or something like that there's something interesting about the idea of choosing to just keep going no no matter what and if you never vanish like your stock is always in flux i was thinking about this with prince because prince is doing this tour now where it's just him and piano yeah. he's playing like 57 song sets and the set lists are incredible and i saw him i saw a video of him playing heroes or something the bowie song and i was just like prince but Prince has never left, you know. Like he's been releasing he, but he a triple puts out a record album every, year. every like year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unreal, and I feel like people don't appreciate how weird it was. I think now it probably seems weirder that Corgan was considered part of that '90s generation. Yeah, that there was like Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder, and Corgan was grouped in with them, even though he was only he was always making prog rock albums in his head, and that did not fit the aesthetic of the '90s at all. But yeah, for a minute post. Kurt Cobain's suicide, the aesthetic of the 90s was whatever those yeah, guys like were doing. Yeah, the same way that they brought in Wyland into that, because Scott Wyland is like really a glam rock, LA yeah. metal kid, kind of, but he was part of the alternative rock thing. I just felt like he was a level below those guys for me. Corgan? It's like no, no, Wyland and Wyland. Wyland. Yeah. yeah. I always felt like it was Cobain, Vetter, and Corgan. And then the next level was Chris Cornell and Wyland. Scott Wyland, Lane Staley. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought those were the big. Are you three. an Allison Chains fan? Yeah, but it's you know. What was the Man in a Box? Man in a Box. Yeah. yeah. MTV gave that one. <laughs> the uh, and then Corgan just you know one of the problems is they made Melancholy a double album and mm-hmm. it's this has happened before with other bands but it really would have been an unbelievable like eleven song album and instead it's like twenty. And then they would have had another amazing follow up as opposed to immediately True. dropping. True. Because what what was it after was was Adore after Melancholy? Yeah, Adore's after. Because I still like, I like that song, okay. Adore? Yeah. And yeah, Adore's it, got jams. Adore a, a, is a good song, and there was also the song, they had a single on that that sounded like 1979, so I liked it. Yeah. His, his like, secret career that he could have had as, a, like, a song doctor, because he yeah. wrote a bunch of, or he worked yeah. on a bunch of Celebrity Skin, that whole record. The best whole And album. it's great. It sounds like Fleetwood Mac. I thought, and I thought the like, Bunny he Medicine. did that album. I mean, the rumors are kind of up and down about who did what on both whole, uh, both of those big <laughs> whole who albums. Who did who? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he was those songs that he wrote on there are are awesome. Like he could have yeah. had like a second career as just like in the background, kind of like a Max Martin super producer. But that, but that wasn't cool in the nineties. No, I know. You couldn't true. be a dude who had a band and also wrote songs for other people. You had to be the artiste. You had to be aesthetically pure, and that kind of went straight to his bald head. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing nineteen seventy nine. On that album, and thinking like, "Oh man, this is this this is not going to last for these guys." Oh, really? That's the, the song. That's the I know. song. Though. And now I really like it. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, "This is his gentle toe dip into the pop music pool." Right. Yeah. He's just feeling it out. He's feeling out whether this is going to take. I never felt like I just didn't feel like, especially compared to the previous two albums. I don't that know. It's not Pumpkins a song fans... they would have put on the previous two albums. I don't know if that's like a controversial song for Pumpkins fans. I think they really. No, like... I think everyone's at peace yeah. with it now. At the time, having really liked them, I, that song worried me. See, that was the song that when it came on alternative rock radio or just the radio in general, like at the end of high school, I think that came out like January of '96 was the single. Well, you but put, that it, you came put it on our '96 mix. Yeah, right. But when that came on, like that would be the song that even people who had never heard of Pumpkins were like, "Whoa, what's this? This is really good." Yeah. Well. So now they're back. So but maybe, you're, but you're in on social media. You were excited. You wanted to see this. Well, I felt like it was important. I felt like it was an important moment. More into this or more into uh, Axl Rose fronting ACDC? No, I, I can't tell. Axl, I'm out. But the thing about pumpkins, it, like Axl's been done for a while. But James Eha is, is James James Eha being back in the group. Does that add to anyone's interest musically, or is it more that this maybe is a sign that Corgan is less of a lunatic, and therefore yeah. it might suggest a focusing of his musical abilities. Or I mean, are they going to go out and play Siamese Dream like at front to back as a tour? You know what I mean? Or are they going to... That would make people happy. He yeah. was a very well-respected musician, though. Yeah. But even like... And I, I did... Like, Kaus was saying how he did a two-hour YouTube deep dive on the clips. I watched I watched Space Boy and Mayonnaise and... like. You need Eha for mayonnaise. You need like you need like a pro for you that. You need Eha for mayonnaise. Just need him. <laughs> sums it up. I need Eha when yeah. I when I hear mayonnaise. I really hope that that goes on the the concert poster. <laughs> you can't have mayonnaise without Eha. You can't have mayonnaise without Eha. The there's, sports guy. <laughs> there's so many weird questions with uh, Corgan though. Like I have no idea how involved he was in Celebrity Skin. Right. There was always this thing that he just threw away everybody else's. Um, yeah, that he would go replay people's parts. Yeah, and it's like if so. If you hear Siamese Dream, it's just him playing everyone's right. parts, but they're pretending it was a band effort. 
But then you always hear how important Darcy was and Ehi was. It was like, well, if they were that important, then why didn't he let them play on the album if he I was mean, redoing it? Part of it, though, it? is how much of a visual band they were because the exact moment that they broke through was sort of the last gasp of MTV. So you think right. about the Tonight Tonight video or the yeah, Today video. They classic. were yeah. very cool-looking individuals at that time. They, Iha and Darcy were cooler-looking than Corgan. butterfly wings. Yeah, and so that played it up. I mean, they were they were performing the role of a you know global rock band. That was that, that was bullet with butterfly important. wings was. I remember that being one of the last videos that I was aware of, like a a countdown for its for its for debut. Its debut. <laughs> I remember you know, watching. You it remember too. when they would be like only six more days? It was like one of the last ones. Yeah, and then right. they would play it at like seven a.m., ten a.m., two p.m., and I would I would take out my VHS. I would tape premieres of videos because that was the only way you knew you could be able to watch it and and hear it. Was that 95 or 96? That was 95. Because you guys played up 96 on your pod yeah. last week on The Watch, which was a great musical year. And then when we hit the late 90s, it it oh, it just got awful. Yeah, we're going to do a, a deep dive terrible. pod on The Prodigy. 98. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. The techno, the Electronica <laughs> yeah, pod. Electronica, <laughs> the rise of Electronica. Well, there they was like... You'd like Everclear got interesting there and the Foo Fighters, and there was a couple ones. It's not like yeah. it died completely, but... You, you Sublime a, was in there. You can make a compilation of great radio songs from like yeah. 97 to 99, but I don't know if you could make the same argument that like these were. That was also vocal. That was rap rock. It was a it was dark time. Well, then it got super dark, yeah. And then it really kind of gets dark. and then it gets cleaned up a little bit with like the Strokes and the Yeah Yeahs and the White Stripes a couple years later. And then it gets really fun. You know, we're talking about like mainstream rock radio. Yeah. Know? God, they had a uh, my DVR tapes all the SNLs, so they had a uh, they run the repeats at 10 o'clock. And I always check to see like if there's any sketches I forgot, and it was the John McCain one, and the White Stripes played "Dead Leaves" and "Dirty Ground." <laughs> wow. It was just Jack and Meg, yeah, and, and Jack's throwing like 107 miles an hour. Like he's, it was really one of the best. It was, got me thinking, like, what were the greatest performances in the history of that show? This one had to be up there. He was, oh. he was just peak, peak, peak of his powers. What are some other off the top of your head great SNL? That, that's what I thought that would be a fun topic yeah. for us. Um, you two, you two, you two. Uh, when they did the beautiful day, that yeah. that whole era, they came out and the whole band was there and they sang that last song and Bono started roaming around oh, the yeah. SNL stage. <laughs> oh yeah, which nobody had ever done. It was like breaking the fourth wall. And then wall. they played eight more and they songs. They showed right? the cast. The yeah, cast the cast was out. like just like <laughs> fanboying it up, and I remember that being incredible. It, the it, Stones were the great big disappointment, which was in the. Jeff Hill Weingrad book about, or Doug Hill Jeff Weingrad about Belushi parted with them the whole week and ruined <laughs> their They just were like screwed. Yeah. yeah, it was the biggest <laughs> band that had ever been on that yeah. show at, from a point of their career, and he just kind of. It would be kind of interesting to make a list of the 20 bands that were important or that we consider to be like really important bands and then check their SNL performances because they don't always get the timing yeah. right. So if, with the White Stripes, the timing was was just right Perfect. so that they were peaking and building and everyone was excited and they brought it because the anticipation was high. But then yeah. there are every other band that maybe they, they hit between seasons, the scheduling doesn't work, and then when they make their debut, they're either not ready for TV or they're past it and they're not even most of the time they catch them right around when you'd want to catch they're them. pretty smart they catch people early yeah i'm pretty sure that. that um neil young played rocket on the free world mm-hmm. and but, like not with crazy horse it was like whatever that solo band it was th- he was amazing that like it was, i can't remember when that was and nirvana's debut on the yeah. show was a big deal because i think that was yeah. the first main Same for Pearl mainstream Jam. people got of them pearl jam prince uh in the terrible season when um Lauren came back and like Downey was on Anthony yeah. Michael Hall. Prince was on that year. I think he played Kiss. Ashley Simpson. I mean, Ashley yeah. Simpson's famous for <laughs> just amazing bad reasons. Yeah. I'm trying to think of if you know, like, part of the problem is hip hop's never really good on that show because the the stage and the setting. And I all do that. like how Kanye uses yeah. it Kanye as like a, the a notebook almost. And I think that's really interesting too that when they did the 40th anniversary special. Then they could have picked anyone from any era. And obviously, Lauren can pick up the phone and call Paul McCartney and call Paul Simon, which he did. Yeah. But the people that he chose to represent the show going forward, he had Miley on it, right? Mm-hmm. Singing an old song. But then he had Kanye. And even though, as audio leaked footage has proved, he's kind of difficult to deal with, he, they all respected the fact that he takes it, he takes it so seriously. Yeah. Right. That he's not just performing the hits. He's going to create something for that show. The best, I think the best song I ever sang on that show was when Paul Simon did the post 9-11 song with all the firemen there. Oh, that's amazing. But it in terms of greatest moment. Yeah. yeah. But they also had a Simon and Garfunkel reunion in the first season, which I think was like the second or third episode. 
that uh, yeah. was a big deal because those guys hadn't sang together in like five years. And or is, so. is that what inspired Lauren to do the thing where he's like, "If the Beatles come here right now, we'll put them on yeah, TV"? Yeah, I think like a couple episodes later. And there, what's the legend behind that? That Len John Lennon was watching the show and considered going. They got in a cab. They it was him and McCartney. No, it was they were watching it together, That's which was weird that they just to think of them watching a show, just hanging out. So they could have done that for Corgan and Eha, like and Darcy, <laughs> like at any moment. Bobby Moynihan could have yeah. stood there with a blank check and said. I think um, I remember Blondie was awesome on that show, but I don't remember what year. It was like in the first five years back when Deborah Harry was thrown in the high 90s. It's just amazing that that set is essentially unchanged and it's a backdrop yeah. for every major musical uh, development of the I actually have a, one of my obscure favorites is um, Paul Westerberg from The Replacements. Oh, did, yeah. Uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Charlton Heston was the host. So Charlton <laughs> wow. Heston had to say, Paul Westerberg. And That's some guy at the end of Can't Hardly Wait, right before he sings, I can't, and he gets to like the break, and some dude from the crowd yells out, Burt Reynolds! <laughs> <laughs> and Westerberg breaks, and it's just like they're cracking up while they're playing, but they kill the song. It was great. I would actually throw in, and I, longtime watch listeners would be surprised about this, but Chance the Rapper a few weeks ago or months oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Because I was not in on him until his appearance on the Kanye record, and then I went back and watched his performance. And that's an example of them being really smart, because this guy has never sold a record. He gives everything away for free. He's completely on the come up, and then he destroyed the stage. He hmm. just made it his in a way that was shocking, because he's, what is he, 24, 25? I remember one other one that I really liked was um, Eminem and Dido. Oh, yeah. When... Uh, when they had that song that and she sang all it, the, it was just oh, yeah. really good and it was the rare case of a rapper actually really being good on has SNL. there ever been a show on late night where they just forget the talk show part somebody's just like let's do a live music show because in england they have jules holland well, where like the, it's just yeah. basically a chat show but mo mostly a live Some performance great show. clips on that too I mean, on yeah. youtube early Fall i mean fallon on late night was this, was more or less that I yeah mean, the show was better known for the music than Certainly than the interviews, and then That's having right, the roots. You would as get a all like band. the excited, like the and people would play with the roots and stuff. And, like and that. everyone would be so excited about that, so it would always sound different, you know. But but he was doing this thing where he was, you know, booking bands like Jawbreaker, who hadn't, or, right. or um, Dismemberment Plan, who were just reforming, and they put him on TV with the roots, or like then you have these things like uh, our friend Will from Ockerville River playing with the roots on TV. Right. It was that sense of it's the thing that TV networks don't want, and why they don't have music shows, which is anarchy. But when you can harness it a little bit, it's pretty exciting. It's you're, just like you're going, friends with the guy from Rockerville River. Yeah, I like that band. It's a good band. It's come, come to New York. Come I have a couple. Out. I have a couple. A uh, couple of their songs in my 2000s playlist. <laughs> How big is this 2000s playlist? <laughs> it's big. It's like Dude, 200 songs. Are you gonna songs. keep it going for the entire century? I'll That's show it to you after. No, no, oh, just for the oh, decade. Oh, just for the first decade. Storage yeah. will change over yeah, the time. Right. You know, it'll be... I've done this bit before, but it's I can't believe it's the serious channel that I just can't believe doesn't exist yet. You basically start it with the Strokes yeah. and the White Stripes in that era, and you go all the way through to like the Killers' second night. It's like 2001 to 2008, I would say. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a whole through Sam's Town. Yeah, yeah, but you, you get, get block, all these like block party in there. Yeah, couple two hit wonders like Giant Drag, you, you, a whole bunch of those Ooh. in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Stella Star, you bunch of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's that this, was a whole era. This playlist rolls deep. Oh yeah, Stella Star. Oh yeah. That was uh, yeah mid two thousands. It was I was realized I was getting old. I was like I'm not getting old with music, and I was like threw myself into the early <laughs> into Stella Star. No, it was iTunes. I was just trying to find all these. I'm picturing a training montage, but with you oh, just yeah. downloading things. Like, I'm not getting old yet. <laughs> I have a kid coming. No, but it kind of died around oh eight oh nine. That 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 whatever that genre the, was but became the, weird. The problem was that the the record industry always tries to do things the same way, and yeah. so. They had the Strokes and they had the White Stripes, and they were like, "Okay, rock is back." So that means we have to sign every band with a guitar right now. And but the 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 patience that people have is so small and so compressed that none of these bands had had any time to develop any kind of a you know real fan base or touring whatever. So they just threw money at the problem, got a few one hit wonders out of it, and just wasted tons and tons of money, and then it collapsed. And there was no scene to grow up behind it. When was the last time you guys listened to an album from start to finish just for fun? Oh, all the time. Okay. Yeah. How many times have you done that when it wasn't Life of Pablo? <laughs> no, I do, I do, I do that a lot. I think I was just listening to the Iggy Pop record the other day. I've listened to that like a bunch of times since it came out. It's Iggy Pop and, the, and a bunch of people from Queens of the Stone Age. They're using the um, Iggy Pop song from Almost Famous when Lester Banks is like Iggy Pop, Amen. <laughs> That's now a commercial, and and it's been playing all through March Madness over and over again. 
So he's, that Iggy Pop song. Like the commercial, the song choices for commercials are getting better. That's my point. Because there's no radio anymore. So that's the only opportunity. Yeah, that's like, like that. Yeah. You got to diversify. Yeah. People don't care anymore. They're just like, how much am I going to get? Yeah, that's pretty much right. So when, what's the watch going to be about this week? We're talking about togetherness and girls. Uh, a little bit of Batman versus Superman, I think. Yeah, you're gonna pummel me with the truth. And about I gotta it. tell Andy about this movie, Get a Job, that I saw, which is just like I, st- oh, yeah. I feel like I was on acid. Excellent. Yeah, that's how I felt when I watched Aloha. <laughs> I really thought I'd had a small stroke because so, I didn't understand. What here's the thing saying. about a movie: if you're <laughs> okay, look, clear out. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to step on my own bit, but if you're watching a movie with your significant other, and that person gets up and goes and gets a glass of water. And comes back and has to, and asks you if you fast forwarded fifteen minutes because that's how little the plot makes sense. Then you've got some problems that you need to fix. Jesus, yeah, I can't believe they held it for four years. I know. They try to cash in on Teller while it's high. So you guys, I'm going to make you listen to my thoughts on girls, and then people can hear your thoughts. Yeah, it'll be a good on, transition. Uh, people can just listen to like three hours right back to back. Unbelievable comeback season. Oh, so good, so good. The show is just fantastic. And I don't really know the reasons why it's almost like she figured out. I mean, I'm a big Lena fan, obviously. I think there was a lot. I think she was maybe doing a little too much. She was writing a book. Social media is going nuts. And she became polarizing. And there's a lot going on. I think that's sometimes can uh, distract people. It's definitely possible. The, the last couple of seasons were uneven, I thought, yeah. and a little disjointed. And I wasn't totally sure what she was trying to say. And this season, it's like she has it. This is like in a, a four-hour movie. And the one yesterday that was centered around Allison Williams, I just thought was was really great. It was really, really good. It was one of the best episodes. It'll be one of the best episodes of this year. It's one of the best episodes I've seen in forever of TV. I mean, it was so completely realized in 30 minutes. Yeah. It was like a mini movie. It was the best episode of this season. It's, it's I you know, I of, of girls like just – how many seasons now? Six. This is this is five, right? Couple of yeah, five. five Couple and six episodes jump out like that episode, the naked ping pong. That episode with that Patrick Wilson. One man's yeah. trash. Yeah, yeah, that was really also good. Also directed by Richard. Couple good Shepard. ones from first season. This is uh, in the mix. I think that they did a subtle thing this season, which is like background the Soch and Marnie, and foreground Adam Driver and Jake Lacey and uh, Jemima Kirk's character. Yeah, and that way, like. It just changed the chemistry slightly, yeah. So that and now girls can just be a banner for like whatever this group of friends is now. But over the last few seasons, I think they were really pushing a little hard to keep it be like they're still all friends. Like these four girls still hang out. It's like they well, the, wouldn't. Yeah. Well, the one thing that Lena Dunham was really good at from day one is that she was an indie filmmaker and she could make little capsules that were moving and interesting and funny, like last night's. Maybe not at the level of last night's episode, but that was more in tune with her talents. And I think the show struggled when it had to be a TV show in which characters were serialized. Everything's interrelated. Everything's yeah. interrelated, and Four you built on things. Arcs. People are meeting and, up and, at a coffee shop, basically, yeah. like friends. And, and so the fact that these people were friends, the show wasn't created with four characters that made sense to last five or six years as friends in each other's lives. Yeah. And I think this season has proven they've gotten better at both. Like, the, the individual episode game, obviously, is super strong. But then the connective tissue stuff that makes good TV, the, the, the Jessa and, and Adam stuff, it's just that's why you watch TV for five years, for have these beloved characters suddenly discover something that had been there the whole time, but then just realize it's just, this is a deep mind. There's so much stuff to pull out of this. And the characters, she figured out how to age with the characters finally. Mm-hmm. I think that was another problem for the characters were in their mid to late 20s, but still acting like 22 year olds, which can work. And, you know, I'm not against it, but now it's like they're the right age. Like I, I thought that scene with, um, when she was when she ran into the old boyfriend Charlie mm-hmm. on the street and she was just saying like uh, I don't care I was 22 that was a million years ago you know it really yeah. wasn't and, and it was then two later years. she says it was two and a half years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. and she says I'm 25 now and the woman in the store says that makes sense yeah right <laughs> it's like but it has thought, enough wisdom to undercut that stuff totally and I thought that nailed what it's like to be 25 where it's only been two years but you feel like it's been a hundred yeah. you're like oh yeah that was and when i was so 23 when you're 25 than yeah you're but your compression yeah. of time the way you understand time when you're 25 five years i mean it's a it's a it's a i don't want to do math i think it's flyer, a fifth. But i think it's a fifth of your life yeah when you get a little older five years is not so much anymore and it spaces out but also what what you can accomplish and what you can try to do in those five years is a little bit more spaced out so it was excellent it's really it's really good remember a couple of years ago that that or two years ago the season tagline was finally almost figuring it out and i feel like that 
should have been the tagline for this year. I also wonder whether or not on what they've done. It could be that having an endpoint is helping. Like knowing that, yeah. like where the show is going, there's going to be like however 13 more episodes left of the show, right? That's right. Yeah. So maybe like I think that more often than not. When t- people have that runway to to land on, they know where they're going. Like it helps. Well, also they know they can choose very wisely and carefully what stories they want to tell. Because the the scary thing and the best thing about TV in season one or going to season two is you could tell any story. Mm-hmm. And then actually, a lot of good stuff happens when your options are limited slightly. When you're hemmed in, you only have this many hours of television left to make, so you have to choose the best stories still waiting for you. And Lena's, I think. Almost run out of ways to be naked on this show. Oh, There's, I don't know. There's challenge she, accepted. Has she hang, <laughs> has she hung out of a building a building naked yet? No. See, there has you she go. been in a convertible going on the highway naked yet? No, that's vinyl. <laughs> that would be the crossover episode. Look, it's, there's something infectious on that set. Everyone wants to get in on it now. Everyone's getting naked. Yeah, yeah we need to get that going in the ringer offices. All sure. right. So the watch. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Slink TV, no installation, no extra gear, no annual contracts, no BS. All you need is an internet connection, and you can be watching more than 20 live channels, including the Final Four on TBS. Start your seven-day free trial at sling.com Simmons for the best of live TV on your tablet, phone, laptop, Roku, Fire TV, or Xbox. Restrictions apply. Thanks to Athletes Collective, your home for quality, logo-less activewear that's 30 to 40% less expensive. Go to athletescollective.com, enter promo code BS. You receive 15% off your first order. Thanks to HBO Now. You don't need cable or satellite to watch HBO. Download the HBO Now app and start a free one-month trial. If you like The Ringer, I think this would be a very good idea. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks to SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the BS Podcast of Channel 33. And uh, go to theringer.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We're closing in on 175,000 subscribers, getting great feedback for it. Andy, you miss writing? Sometimes. Yeah? That's how I feel. Sometimes, but then sometimes not. You know what I don't miss is the blank Microsoft Word document. Yeah. It's just so intimidating. It's just like the like the marble, and you just got to sculpt, man. Maybe maybe you could just like prep the page for me to write a couple like ideas, and then I can work within them. Yeah. Talk to my agent. Okay. All right. We about this bitch. Anytime y'all want to see me again... Rewind this track right here, close your eyes, and picture me rolling.